Hello everyone and welcome back to Crying Pain and Paranoia. It is us. We're back. And Alyssa's back. Because this is the same day. So if you Ten don't know, this later. is our friend Alyssa. Hello. We're very happy to have her. She has her own special episode. It is Campfire Part 3, if you want to go listen to that. Mm-hmm. But this week we're going to be talking about the word, the theme, grave. So it should be pretty exciting. Emily? How are you feeling today? Today, I feel like, you know, when like little creatures are running in the forest and they randomly get swooped up by a hawk. Uh huh. Like that. Oh. And then they get fed fed to the baby birds. That's fair. I said, everybody's so creative. (laughs) (laughs) I got TikTok going. I, um, personally. I feel like the saw trap, that's the reverse bear trap on that lady's oh, head. Oh, no. My head hurts really bad right now. Yikes. And my back also hurts, so the weight of the bear trap is making my back hurt. Uh-huh. That's what we're going to say. I feel like a dream. I just had pizza with the ranch on it, so. Nice. <laughs> with the ranch on it. <laughs> we love a good ranch. Anyway, let's get into it before we make this intro too long. This podcast contains sensitive material such as violence, murder, paranormal activity, and other adult topics, so listener discretion is advised. While we do research all of our episodes, we are just two Emilys with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky. Take it with a grain of salt. All of our sources will be in the show notes. So today, I'm going to tell you all about Tyler Hadley's big party. Okay, also, did we tell our friends what the word was? Yes, we did. Okay. The word is grave. I could not remember. I was like... That's fair. They probably need a reminder. We're talking about grave today. Um, Are either of you big party people or were big party people? I only know you two. I'm like, do you know me? (laughs) Me looking at Alyssa. (laughs) Sorry. I'll just say yes in short. Not anymore, though. Oh, no, I'm You go to bed at, like, 8 p.m., and I can never get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm a party till about 7 when I wind down. (laughs) Never. And Emily and I are chronically ill, so. (laughs) Never. (laughs) I'm like, you got me for 30 minutes. She's all party (laughs) for 30 minutes. (laughs) And then I'm out of there. Alright, so let's get started. This is about Tyler Hadley's party, once again. So, you could tell it was going to be a huge party because almost no one had heard of the kid who was throwing it. Word was that his name was Tyler Hadley. He attended Port St. Louis High. Most crucially, his parents were out of town. Where exactly Tyler's parents had traveled or how far, no one seems to know. Tyler had been telling his friends all week that he was going to have a party, but nobody believed him. He had never thrown a party before, and it was impossible to believe that his parents, who had been increasingly strict with him lately, would give them their consent. When his friends asked about whether the party was still on, Tyler replied, I'm working on it. They assumed that meant it was off. At 11.25 a.m. on Saturday, July 16th, 2011, Hadley received a Facebook message from from his friend Antonio Ramirez. Um, I'm not going to read this because it's really cringy 2011 boy texting. Oh, man. Um, I love cringy 2000 boy texting. You can read it if you want after this, but I'm not reading it to you because I would die of embarrassment. But basically, he was saying that, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to do something? He's like, I'm throwing a party. He's like, are your parents not there? And he was like, oh, no, they're leaving soon. Um... I imagine the conversation was something like in Scooby-Doo Spooky Island when all the monsters are pretending to be teenagers. Stop. Yo, 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 dog. <laughs> What's up? Pretty much. I love that. Court, court Pretty memory. much. Right here. Right in the soul. So at 1.15 p.m., a Tyler posted a message on his Facebook wall. Party at my crib tonight, dot, dot, dot. Maybe. Crib. I know. MTV Cribs. I'm literally throwing up. I had to cut out most of the text of this because it it was just so embarrassing. I love it. No one was convinced by this message, but at 8.15, Tyler posted another message, party at my house, hit me up. Still, his friends remained skeptical. Yeah, he sent the text at 8? 
Yeah, another one of his friends was like, what if your parents come home? And Tyler was like, they won't. Trust me. So the party was just getting started when Mike Young... (laughs) When Mike Young arrived with 10 or so of his friends around 11.30 p.m. Mike, a popular athletic junior, knew the host only by sight. Tyler was a distinctive-looking, tall and skinny, nearly cadaverous at six... (laughs) This is from the Rolling Stone, by the way. The Rolling Stone uh, cuts no words. They're pretty descriptive. It's crazy. Anyway. I know, right? Same. I want to be (laughs) described as cadaverous, skinny queen. Anyway. Uh, (laughs) He was six foot one and 160 pounds. At school, he was quiet, um, approaching nonverbal though occasionally prone to sudden, a nonsensical outburst in class. His friends, uh, potheads, juvenile delinquents, pill poppers, were not the type of kids Mike liked to associate with. But it was a warm summer evening in July, and there was absolutely nothing to do. There was never anything going on in their town. Uh, The city was 40 miles north of West Palm Beach, and it was uh, designed to be, like for old people. It was mostly golf courses. What year was this? 2011. That's right. You've got video games. There's things to do. Yeah. Um, let me Drugs. see. <laughs> yeah, they're pill poppers. <laughs> so, like, it was the type of town where one of the only, like, you went to Walmart, and then you went to the mall, and then you went to Target. Like, that's pretty much it. They had a Target? Yeah, yeah. that's pretty bougie. I was gonna I know, say, right? what? We have the Circle K. Yeah, they can get an Xbox at Target. They're set. So most people were just going to test their luck and go to this random party. There's, like, there's nothing to do, whatever. So Tyler answered the door wearing a long black t-shirt, wearing Dickies and black Nike Air Force uh, high tops. He seemed anxious, or at least anxious, (laughs) as anxious as you can be while on ecstasy. Uh, (laughs) Also, I thought you were going to say he's wearing a long black cloak. Yeah, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's literally described as a walking tendon. Yeah, well, immediately my brain went to like, um, what's his name from Parks and Rec? Have you guys ever seen, seen Parks and Rec? Mm-hmm. A while back. Oren, April's friend, who's always wearing a black cloak and looks like death himself. Anyways, <laughs> sorry to distract. So, it's clear that Tyler was very high. His eyes were large and white and his pupils were huge. He kept rubbing his hands together, nervously clenching his fists. He said, I don't want anyone smoking inside. It's my parents' house. Before long, there were 60 kids in the house. Most of them had no idea who Tyler was. They draped themselves over the couches, played beer pong on the dining table, scrounged for food in the kitchen cupboards, and gathered in packs out front, tossing empty cans onto the lawn. In the living room, when the bottles fell to the floor and shattered, kids laughed. Uh, cigarettes were extinguished on the rug, the kitchen counter, the wall. Tyler seemed less concerned with the destruction of his home than with the noise. If the neighbors got alarmed, they might call the police. He said, actually, just stay inside the house, Tyler said, and nobody in particular. You can smoke inside. I don't care. So before, he's like, just, like, don't smoke in here. And then he was like, wait a minute. Maybe don't be outside. Um. I just like Tyler. Same. Don't we all? Have we ever met a nice Tyler? Mm, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Mike was talking with some girls <laughs> on the couch. What I'm, saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, all the Tylers out there. So, Mike was talking with some girls on the couch when a very drunk skater kid, one of Tyler's friends, ambled over. He said, I smell dead people while laughing. Mike looked up. What is that supposed to mean? Oh, I don't know. Some people are smoking. That's all. All right, dude. Whatever. And then he wandered away. Okay, weed and dead people do not smell the same. Weed doesn't smell good, but it doesn't smell it's like dead not people. Decay. No, girl. It smells skunky. Yeah. Not- he was just smelling his own tonsil stone. Yeah. <laughs> so a large crowd had Uh-oh. gathered around the beer pong table, and the table is right next to the computer, so people are taking turns putting on songs. Uh, The computer area was even filthier than the rest of the house. The white keyboard was tacky with a brownish dried liquid. Beer, maybe, Coke. Mm -hmm. No one really looked too closely. Ugh. Um. Not the sticky. 
Jose Hernanzo, a slight soft-spoken 17-year-old with straight black hair combed at an angle over his forehead, was playing, <laughs> was playing beer pong when he heard someone say, oh, he killed his parents. Everyone <gasps> laughed. Jose won 15 straight games of beer pong. People kept asking Tyler where his parents were. They went to Georgia, he told Mark. They're in Orlando, he told Ryan. They don't live here, Tyler told Richard. This is my house. Mark Andrews, 21, met Tyler 11 years ago when Mark's family moved into Port St. Louis. Uh, Tyler and Mark's younger brothers were friends, and the families lived down the street from each other. When Tyler was 10 years old, he showed up at the Andrews' house after a fight with his mother. He vowed that he would kill his parents. Mark told Tyler that all parents pissed off their kids, and Tyler calming down agreed. The two boys laughed about it. Tyler's friend, Marky Phillips, missed the party because he was visiting his grandparents in Chicago that weekend. But he had hung out with Tyler two nights earlier, playing video games and watching television at Marky's house. Tyler seemed perfectly fine that night. But two weeks before that, they had been hanging out at Marky's house when Tyler blurted out in the middle of a conversation that he, quote, wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after. Nobody had ever done that before, Tyler said. Throw a huge party with bodies still in the house. Oh, I'm sure it's been done, actually. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. There were mommy um, parties in the 1920s. Yeah, stupid idiot, Tyler. Stupid yeah. idiot, do your history. So his friend basically just said that he was crazy, and he figured that Tyler was trying to make a joke and, like, seem cool. Oh. Uh, no one really ever took Tyler seriously uh, when he talked about killing his parents. In a Facebook chat with his friend on... July 2nd, 2011, two weeks before the party, Tyler complained that his mother had confiscated his cell phone. Again, not going to read that. Um, then there was another friend on the morning of the party, and he said, did you do it? Tyler said, no, but I'm gonna. His friend said, bet. <gasps> and he said, you really uh, should know. He said, you really should now do it. Tyler said, don't worry, I am. Then I'm going to have a big party. And then his friend said, party time. Anyway. <laughs> we never ache a crazy person on friends. Yeah. So Blake and Mary Jo Hadley moved to St. Port Louis from Fort Lauderdale 24 years earlier to be closer to Blake's parents, who had been retired in a neighboring community. Um... Blake was a watcher engineer at the St. Louis nuclear power plant for 30 years, and Mary Jo was a beloved elementary school teacher. Quote, no matter who you were, even if she didn't like you, she would never give up on you. Um, so former student of his mom. Aww. So just normal, you know, middle class family. Uh, at midnight at the Hadley residence, there were a hundred people and two dogs at the house, a black Labrador named Sophie, and an old partially deaf blind beagle. Sophie was nowhere to be found, but the beagle was hiding in a bedroom that had belonged to Tyler's older brother, Ryan, who moved to North Carolina six weeks earlier to attend college. The party was only several hours old, but the room looked as if it had been ransacked by thieves. Uh, clothes and bedding were scattered across the floor, and the bed frame was cracked. The beagle cowered under the bed. Was the beagle there before the party? I have no idea. <laughs> Justice for the I beagle. don't know where the dogs came I'm from. Glad no one stole them. Yeah. I know. So basically, I'm just telling you this to kind of set the scene. Yeah. Um, there's a blind if dog. If anyone's in there. ever gone to a party, you know the floor is sticky and there's multiple broken things. Things are also missing. I don't understand. So, Stephanie Cassienda, I'm so sorry, arrived with her friend Joshua Corte around midnight. She had a crush on Tyler but didn't know him well. He was standing awkwardly by the wall next to his mother's computer and wasn't talking to his friends. When Stephanie went to the bathroom, she found a beagle hiding in the shower. <gasps> Apparently, the beagle's just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. Imagine being like deaf and blind and just feeling the ground so vibrate and into so many people and being like, what the hell do I do? So many new smells. That poor beagle. Also, she had a crush on gauntly corpse like <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Veiny walking tendon. From everything. Stringy mozzarella stick Tyler. From everything I've learned about this town. 
There are not many options, girl. Anyone's better than Tyler at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There were a hundred people in the house. Pretty much everyone in this town is potheads, so I'm pretty sure most of them are skinny anyway from the drugs. I don't know. That's how they fit so many people in there. <laughs> I guess. They're just <laughs> They're sardines in there. They're like sardines in the front, like, fancy entryway. Anyway, so William Goodall had known Tyler since the sixth grade, but he's seen less of Tyler since freshman year of high school when Tyler started smoking weed. He couldn't tell whether Tyler was acting especially strange because Tyler was kind of always acting strange. At 12.30 a.m., the party was running out of beer, so Tyler asked Mark Andrews and his girlfriend, Ashley, to drive him to the gas station a block away. Tyler gave a wad of 20 bills to Mark, who was 21, and asked him to buy four cases of bush light. Uh, while they waited in Mark's car... Bush light? That's how you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how you know. That's a great value beer. <laughs> That's, like, made in, like, a bucket in a basement beer. Anyway, go ahead. They're teenagers, to be fair. Disgusting. Probably what they could find. So, while they waited in Mark's car, Tyler mentioned to Ashley that his parent, like, his father had died. Ashley, who didn't know Tyler very well, had assumed that he meant his father passed away a long time ago. When they got back to the house, the kids at the party were playing water pong because they didn't have any beer left. Uh, one boy walked around with a baggie of round white pills, selling them for a dollar a piece. Another sold marijuana. Okay, so basically, Tyler's letting people do whatever they want in this house, so they are. Um, at least until one boy, who had taken his shirt off and run around the house screaming, returned holding a mailbox over his head. And he was like, where did you get that? And he said, from the neighbor's lawn. <laughs> And from the neighbors love. Tyler starts from the neighbors, bro. And Tyler started yelling and saying that stealing a mailbox was a felony and that the police were gonna come. Uh, so someone took the mailbox back to the street. Aww. I know, right? Chivalry. So one of his <laughs> friends noticed the that the door to the master bedroom was closed and they assumed that people were inside getting high and he tried to en- enter, but it was locked. It was dark in the house, but he noticed a black smear about a foot long beneath the door. It looked like an oil-based paint that someone tried to unsuccessfully wipe away. Justin Wright, a soccer player, um, arrived at 1.15 a.m. The first thing he noticed was the stench. It smelled like sweaty clothes that had been sitting around for too long. The place was a mess. The white ceramic floor tiles were grimy, several picture frames were missing, and others hung askew. Dishes smeared with remnants of instant macaroni and cheese were accumulated in the kitchen. Um, Justin asked if there were any house rules, and Tyler said, do whatever you want. Um... Meanwhile, he's over there playing Snake on his phone yeah. in the corner. So while Justin was playing beer pong, the ball bounced to the floor and rolled underneath the table where it came to rest in a sticky, thick, brown substance. Justin was mildly grossed out and didn't really think anything of it, carried the ball to the kitchen, washed it off. Um, as Mark Andrews was leaving the party, Tyler asked if they could speak privately. Tyler went outside and ordered all the kids standing there to get back inside the house so that the neighbors wouldn't call the cops. Once everyone was inside, Tyler turned to Mark. Dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. Uh, what are you talking about, said Mark. Dude, I know you're not going to believe me. No one will believe me. I freaking killed somebody. Um, At least his conscience came clean about it. Yeah, and Mark is basically like, um, killing somebody is your own business. Maybe don't tell me that. I don't want to <gasps> know. I've been like, hang tight. Meanwhile, I'm dying. Like Seriously. Hold on, let me come up with a plan. You hear me <laughs> running through the, the, the bathroom window. Bye. <laughs> Crawling out being like, officer, I've caught a killer today. Yeah, for real. So basically, like, throughout the night, he's saying weird things to people, like, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow, and, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going away for a long time, and they're like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going away forever, and they're like, okay. And the last um, thing he does is have a house party where the floor's all sticky. Yeah. 
Who's gonna take care of the beagle is my main concern. I know. Around 1 a.m., Tyler asked his friend Michael Mandel to walk outside so that they could speak privately. Tyler and Michael had been best friends since they were eight years old, and for much of the party, they had sat together, Michael chatting with other friends, and Tyler staring into the distance. Uh, they walked to the stop sign at the end of the block, uh, and when they got there, Tyler turned to Michael. I killed my parents, he said. Yeah, right. Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see the signs. He told Michael to look in the driveway. Michael saw that the two cars closest to the garage were a black Toyota Tacoma truck that belonged to Tyler's father and his mother's Red Ford Expedition. If Tyler's parents weren't home, why were their cars still there? Michael couldn't believe it, so Tyler told him to look inside the garage. After making sure nobody was watching, Michael slipped into the garage and turned on the light. He saw a bloody shoe print and immediately retreated, shutting the door behind him. Tyler led Michael to the master bedroom where there were traces of blood on the door. Tyler unlocked the door and opened it. Michael saw dining room chairs and blood-soaked towels standing in a huge pile. At the bottom of the pile, emerging from the debris, lay thick white leg. <gasps> Damn, I don't know why they thick. called it thick. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what? I, I was expecting not in my human body part. like this, and I'd hear the narrator, and I'd go, yo! <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> so Tyler told Michael what had happened. That afternoon, shortly before 5, Tyler had hit his parents' cell phone so they couldn't call for help. He took three pills of ecstasy because he was worried he couldn't kill his parents while sober. In the garage, he found a claw hammer. Then he returned to the house. He stood behind his mother while she worked on the family computer. For a full five minutes, he stood there, thinking about what he was about to do. Then he raised the claw and then the hammer and brought it down on Mary Jo's head. Why, she screamed. Why? Hearing his wife's screams, Blake Hadley ran out of the master bedroom. He was a big man, six foot one, 300 pounds. But nothing could have prepared him for what he saw. Father and son locked eyes for several moments. Why, asked Blake Hadley. Why the F not, shouted Tyler. He kept repeating the question while he beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer. Yeah. And Tyler, while he was telling Michael this, was like mimicking the swings with the hammer. Ooh. Yeah. So when it was over, Tyler said he wrapped up uh, towels around his parents' head and dragged them into the master bedroom. The bodies lay side by side, face down, the hammer on the ground between them. It took three hours to clean up all the blood and gore, much longer than Tyler had anticipated. He threw every piece of incrimi incriminating evidence that he could find into the bedroom, burying the corpses beneath a pile of broken dishes, shattered glass, bloody towels and pillowcases, books, a coffee table, a sponge mop, Clorox wipes, and a canister of coffee grounds. Uh, he took a shower and then he told Michael he stared at his reflection in the bathroom mirror and laughed. Some kind of mental break. How did this tendon take out a 300 pound man? Ecstasy. The devil's weak. I was gonna. I do think it was purely a rage killing. Um, rage, adrenaline, he just killed his mom. You know. That'll do it. That's a cocktail for murder. I'll tell you what, really. Drugs. Close to 2 a.m., somebody stood up and announced that there was another house party being thrown by a neighbor of Mike Young's. Kids began running outside, tossing their drinks into the grass and opening car doors. Tyler ran out after them. Um, where is everybody going, he yelled. Josh rolled down the window and explained they were going to another party. Um, they said that his face just looked like really blank when everyone was leaving. 14 cars peeled out of Tyler's neighborhood. Uh, the caravan went up Prima Vista to Bayshore with the windows down, blaring music. Oh, and by the way, when they got to that second house party, it wasn't even a house party. The girl was in her pajamas like, can y'all go home? I'm not having a party. So it was just a rumor. Same. Um, so all go the home. commotion <laughs> of like the cars leaving was finally too much for the neighbors. Rianne Wallace, who lived next door and known Tyler since he was born, uh, she was fond of the Hadleys and fond of Tyler. She said he seemed like a happy kid, uh, very respectful and polite. Did she him? Um, we're getting to that. <laughs> he liked to skateboard, ride his bike, toss a football in the street. When she asked him not to throw the ball too close to her car, he said, yes, ma'am. 
when she and her husband went away for the weekend, she gave Tyler a few bucks to keep watch over the house. So, she knows him. She knows the family. It doesn't sound like it, is she, though? Tyler had always seemed close to his parents. As a boy, he would wait up late into the evenings for his father to turn home from working the night shift. Um, they would play basketball for hours in the driveway, often until midnight. On weekends, the Wallaces would hear the Hadleys splashing and laughing in the family's backyard pool. But once Tyler entered high school, a silence descended over the Hadley property. Tyler had always been quiet and difficult to read, but now he was, um, unpredictable and troubled. He had a bizarre personality, really hyper. He'd always try to pull a crowd. In the middle of a lesson, he would start laughing, and he would just blurt out stuff. Once in the middle of biology class, he started mooing like a cow. Yes, Emily? Was he diagnosed with schizophrenia? Early set schizophrenia? He wasn't diagnosed with anything. Other than just being Tyler. He, I'm, I really just wanted to paint you a picture of who this He's is like, at your high school. my hug? Oh, Ew. yeah. Oh, yeah. He sounds like a car salesman. It's the energy I get. I still get, like, weird kid in a cloak. He runs to every class. He wears open-toed sandals with no No, he wears the toe shoes. And a tank top. The toe shoes and a tank top. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the toe shoes are? He has really small nipples, too. I can't say that I've ever made attention to that, if I'm being honest with you. Like, a dime. (laughs) Do you know what the toe shoes are, though? Like, every toe has its own little... Yeah, disgusting. Tyler's a freak. <laughs> so another neighbor refused to allow her son to play with Tyler after she caught Tyler as a young teen smoking in a nearby wildlife preserve with other neighborhood boys. Um, she was worried they would accidentally start a forest fire, and she confronted Tyler's mother, uh, and Mary Jo seemed unconcerned. She said, my son doesn't smoke. And Dee Dee was like, I saw him smoking. And Mary Jo was like, you know, it's Tyler. You know. So two weeks later, Tyler lit that same wildlife preserve on fire. Uh, he and several other boys dragged an abandoned couch into the clearing, doused it with gasoline, and dropped a match. The fire department had to be called, but the kids got off with a warning. The Hadleys definitely seemed to have lost control of Tyler. Um... In late April, 10 weeks before his party, Tyler got into a fight at a friend's house and was arrested on a charge of aggravated battery. Because he had a juvenile record, having previously been convicted of burg... Oh my gosh, I can't say You can't say that word. Burglary. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. He was sentenced to a week at the county jail, followed by two weeks of house arrest. There were moments still, however, when the old Tyler would emerge. One of Tyler's best friends, Ryan, Ryan, I'm not going to say his last name, described Tyler's relationship with his mother as really close. Tyler told Ryan about a recent fight with Mary Jo in which Tyler had told her to shut up. He felt so badly about it that he apologized immediately. His He told his mother he was sorry for yelling at her. On Mother's Day, Tyler chatted on Facebook with his friend. Uh, Tyler told her about his house arrest said, I'm sad. That sucks, dude. Is your mom pissed? Said, no, she's disappointed. I feel bad. She was crying. Um, then they said, oh, did you do anything for her? It's Mother's Day. He said, yeah, my brother and I took her out to eat. And Tyler said it was a really nice day. Okay. Tyler's mother gentle parented him. In the wrong way. Yeah, that's why we that's why we hit our kid not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding, disclaimer. But gentle parenting side eye. So one Friday night in June, about <laughs> a month before the party, uh Tyler came home very drunk after a night in which he had peed on his friend's bed. <gasps> um He's a bedwetter. Mary Jo took him to a mental health clinic and Tyler was forced to attend counseling daily. In order to commit Tyler, hold on. Basically, in order for that to happen, she had to prove that, like, she was concerned that he was going to hurt himself or others, and that, like, she had previously dealt with depression, and she noticed depression in Tyler and anxiety and, like, low self-esteem, and he was previously counseled for those things, like, he went to therapy for that, and he also had an eating disorder at one point. Um, just two weeks before the party, however, Mary Joel told friends that 
Tyler was, quote, over this hurdle and she was so happy about Tyler's improvement and she felt like he was back to himself. Who's gonna tell her? Tyler, She knows now. (laughs) So... She's rolling in her grave due to you. The weekend before the party, Tyler had traveled with his father and grandfather to a reunion in Georgia. Hmm... And basically, the family said they didn't see any indication that there were problems between Tyler and his parents. They were at a family reunion. So the night before the party, the Hadleys had gone out to dinner as a family. And Tyler ran into a friend and said, like, he seemed fine. This was the night before the party? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was this friend's birthday, and he said, come to my house tomorrow. I'm having a party. Let's celebrate. At 2 a.m., as the caravan of cars tore out of the driveway of the Hadley house, revving their engines and blasting music, Rianne Wallace got fed up. She couldn't understand why Tyler was throwing a noisy party or why his parents would allow it. When a group of boys from the party drifted onto her front lawn and began peering into her window, she called the police. She was like, okay, we're done. Two officers from Port St. Louis Police Department arrived at the Hadley residence within minutes. By that point, there were fewer than 20 people left at the party. When the officers rang the bell, Tyler told everyone to be quiet and hide in his room. Then he opened the door. The cops explained that there had been noise complaints. Tyler talked to them for a few moments, and then the cops left, and the party started back up. (gasps) By 2.30, Tyler's friends began to filter back to the party. It was clear now that something was wrong with Tyler. Michael Mandel, before leaving, had grabbed um, 10 Percocet pills that Tyler was going to use to commit suicide and hid them in a closet. So his friend was, like, hiding pills from him. Okay. Um, also, why do you have Percocet just laying around the house? Apparently, drugs were, like, a huge thing in this community. What doctor um, needs their license taken away who's prescribing all this stuff? no i don't know so tyler turned off all the lights in the front rooms to avoid attracting any further attention from cops uh ryan stofenshire i don't know how to say his name before he left at 3 a.m saw tyler making himself a sandwich in the dark <laughs> at 4 40 a.m tyler posted another message to his facebook wall party at my house again hit me up at four i guess morning? for the next day Tyler needs to go to bed. Tyler needs to do his skin routine. <laughs> Tyler needs to drink sleepy tea. Tyler needs melatonin. to stop taking ecstasy Tyler and Percocet. Tyler needs to switch out that ecstasy for a collagen pill to grow his fingernails and make his skin glow, his hair will grow, so and he he'll be less inclined like... to harm others and do so many mm-hmm. drugs. So the party might have gone on forever if the police hadn't been standing outside his front door while he was making a sandwich. Michael Mandel had called the Crime Stoppers hotline and told them everything. This was the friend that he confessed to and, like, oh, showed everything. So, I guess the guilt, like, got to him or he sobered up and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, to stuff Michael? happened. Well, I think that's what happened to Michael. Okay. I think Michael sobered up or, like, kind of just realized what he was shown and was like, um, After the shock wore off. Yeah. Which, like, he's a teenager. Like, I get it. Um, I don't know. I feel as a teenager, I'd be like, dead body? Dead bodies? Someone call the cops. Yeah. So the cops got there, and they ran the plates of all the cars outside. One was Tyler's, and the other two were his parents. The officers walked up the driveway and heard someone talking inside the house. They looked through the front bay window and saw a shadow of a person walking back and forth. Tyler was pacing across the living room, talking to himself with a very disturbing look on his face. His eyes were very wide and he was not blinking. Tyler grabbed a stack of books from a bookshelf near the front door and marched them into the back bedroom. Uh, he was like murmuring to himself. He dumped the books on the floor in a frantic manner and went back and grabbed more books like two more times. Someone needs to tranquilize Tyler. Yeah, so they start knocking on the door and there's no answer. Um, and he started turning off the lights, (laughs) and then he finally opened the door. He was wearing a black shirt and black shorts, and his left hand was hidden behind his back. Um, the officers drew their guns and ordered him to put his hands up and step outside the house. He checked for weapons and then ordered him onto the ground. 
Then they asked if there were any adults at home. Tyler said no. He was very frantic, incoherent, and his pupils were very large. Um, he said, I know I'm going to Rock Road, he told Officer Greeny, referring to the address of St. Louis County Jail. So just take me there, he said. Uh, they leave Tyler in the driveway, handcuffed, and they enter the house. Uh, Tyler shouted, you can't go in there, don't go in there. Empty beer bottles and plastic solo cups were everywhere, on the counters and the floors. There were pots and pans on the kitchen counter. Tyler's bedroom was littered with unraveled cigars. On his bed, there were about 15 empty beer bottles and a woman's purse. The furniture in his brother's old bedroom was turned over, and the floor was covered with clothing and bedding. Locked inside the closet, they found a black Labrador. <gasps> no! The second dog. They let her out. Um, she's okay, him. but she was locked in a closet for baby. so rude. The cops passed through the kitchen and, and approached the master bedroom. It was locked. They noticed the dried blood on the frame and the baseboards, and they forced the door open. Where's the beagle? They found everything. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So the funeral service for the Hadleys was attended by nearly a thousand people. Whoa. Two coffins lay in front of the altar. Mary Jo Hadley, who had uh, been a committed Catholic, um, she was given her last rites and everything. That's good. On Sunday morning that her body was found, she was supposed to have read morning mass from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Aww. Um, and it reads, love is patient, love is kind. It is, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. What are your last rites? Uh, in, like, the Catholic religion, a priest will come, like, if you're close to death, like, an old person, per se, like, if they're on hospice, and, like, mm -hmm. oh, you've got, like, a couple hours with this. Mm -hmm. A priest will come and be like, read your last rites. I don't know what the exact... Like you have the right to die. You have the you right to remain maybe. silent. <laughs> Canon will be held against you. I think it's like a last prayer for them. It's like a, a final prayer, like it, um, like you know the Lord's prayer. I'd be like Savior prayer. Run on down to Pete's Fish and Chips. Get me a one piece fish with a burrito and a, and a extra fry, extra pizza. Blend it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. So Tyler was sentenced to life in prison for the murders. Rot Tyler. Also, a thousand people showed up showed up to their funeral. That girl definitely had more than one choice of Tyler as a crush. No, I know. Like, his parents were very well known in the community, and it was very tragic. No one thought that he would be capable of this, but I don't know. Drugs makes you do Listen some crazy things. Listen to red things. flags, people. If he... people are acting weird, if they're saying bad things, if they're starting to act out, if they're setting fires in the wilderness... If they're mooing in the middle of class. Pay attention yeah. to them. He, he attributes the murders to very, very bad mental health and, like, a lot of drug use. Yeah. And he has a lot of remorse now that he's in prison. Good. Boo-hoo. Um, Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. But, yeah, that's the story. Sorry it was so long, but it was a trip. Crazy. I don't think you've been to a party like that, Alyssa. Dead people in Not the master quite. bedroom. Like, mm, minus the dead people, maybe. Sorry I took so long. Other Emily, it is your turn. That's fine. Mine's not very long today. <laughs> While you hear me shift in my chair. So I kind of took this whole grave thing quite seriously, as it's known to be one of my specialties in life. Yes, friend. I also want to say... I chose this case because, in my mind, I thought it was a grave discovery. Oh, okay. Like a grisly discovery. The house was technically a grave. I was just going to say, yeah, they were, they were dead yeah. there, so that was great. So, I thought I would explain that really fast. Go ahead, Emily. That's fine, that's fine. Um, mine's kind of right on the head. I'm going to talk about graves, specifically things that happen at graves. Um, Body snatchers? No. Oh, okay. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? Did we? With the vampires. Oh, they were just vampire. Or they no, were the just... one before that where you talked about that one vampire. No, no. I, yeah, the Highgate. Yes. Yeah. They were just body desecration situations. Anyway. So what I'm going to tell you about is a story that I actually heard about when it happened. My mom used to, like, be a proofread editor of, like, 
court cases. She would oh. get the transcripts and proofread. Mm. I would love so that job. I learned about it then because it was wild. Mm-hmm. I was 10 years old and I still remembered it. Then I went into the funeral industry and that very story was shared amongst all the funeral director's attendants and what oh, it was happened. like a thing? It was like a thing Ooh. because it happened here, Phoenix, yeah. Arizona. Ooh. I've been to the very cemetery that we're going to talk about. Oh my gosh. Also, as a group, can we like tour cemeteries together? Like, Is that allowed? Let's walk around. Yeah, you can walk around cemeteries. Let's go at night. Not Highgate. Not Highgate. You can't go at night. They close at like dusk. Dusk to dawn, dawn to dusk, whatever it is. But I would be down to have a picnic. I have have family buried here. It's fine. I even have family buried in the cemetery that I'm bringing up today. Uh, Yeah. I wonder if I do. love a family story. So I've hyped it up a little bit, and I would like to apologize to the family in advance because it is a little bit funny. (laughs) No, don't say it to me. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Um... It's not funny, the traumatized experience they had, but I'm just going to get into it, okay? Okay, go ahead. So the family in Phoenix, Arizona is suing the city of Mesa, 2009. This article was written in 2009, the link's below. Mm-hmm. Um, city of Mesa, a funeral home and other parties of the casket broke during a funeral, <gasps> allowing the corpse to fall into the grave in front of a traumatized family members. Oh my gosh, I think I've heard of this. I think I told you about it. Um, oh my gosh. That is so bad. Yeah, so that's going to be what I'm talking about today. Emily, who was fired? Pretty much everyone. Okay. I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it turned out. Like, I looked up everything and I couldn't find anything. I wonder if they kept though. it hush-hush. Yes, ma'am. Why aren't caskets, like, absolutely sealed shut? Like, locked shut? Why they're locked. They... Okay, continue. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, that's why they're, this went, they're like, being sued. This Titanic and crashed down and... Let me get into the details. Okay. Uh, so the lawsuit is initially striking, um, the lawsuit, whatever, 24 relatives have sued, um, the city of Mesa, the funeral home, and the other parties. Wow. Um, including the children and the widow, Roxanne. They're represented by an attorney, yada, yada, yada. Um, so the complaint states that the family had originally ordered a Renaissance solid wood casket that when the casket wasn't available, the Preston Funeral Homes director, Reverend James Preston, offered to upgrade to a better Madison casket free of charge. So, okay. casket they originally wanted, out of stock, whatever, yeah. what have you. At the grave site, the casket was lowered into the grave by cemetery employees. Anito um, and Gonzalo Meza, the lowering device, those were the uh, employees, the lowering device suddenly broke, causing the casket to fall into the grave at an angle. Um, the complaint states the strap, the broken strap caused the casket to slide headfirst at an angle oh. into the grave, hit the side of the vault, and come to rest in the grave at approximately the 45 degree angle. Oh my gosh. The impact of the casket into the side of the vault caused the casket lid to disconnect and exposed Robert Sr.'s body to the entire assembly. Oh, Robert better it's been looking so good. bad. Was it a close casket funeral? No. <laughs> that would be so bad. Robert doesn't have a head. Sorry. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my gosh. This when, is a nightmare. Yeah, it gets worse. When two men tried to lift the damaged box from the grave, the bottom separated from the sides, causing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, causing Sir Robert Senior's body to slide off the casket into the bottom of the grave. He Rob- it raw. <laughs> Robert Senior's body was lifted, drug out of the grave, and placed on the ground. The that body is so bad had to be lifted out of the grave by its arms and legs. And oh my mind, gosh! At this point, the body is it's rigor mortis. So it's like lifting a plank of wood. And he's it's, like rock solid. I don't think it's rigor mortis. He'd have been involved. Literally, by definition, what is it dead weight. Like it takes all your body, your blood out, and fluids are pumped in. So it's been like worked out of your body. The rigor mortis at this Aww. point. It's like worked like leather. Like it's still stiff, but it's not like. Locked. But, like, can you imagine them struggling pulling him? Because he's, by definition, dead weight. They're, like, struggling pulling him out. Are his organs <laughs> removed, though? No. Skinny. No. Oh. <laughs> Skinny! He might have been bloated. Embarrassing. He could have been bloated. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is so bad. <laughs> no. Okay, so my very first question was, where the heck were the funeral directors? Yeah. Because typically... Someone put a sheet up. 
Well, typically, you're not supposed to leave the funeral, like, depending on your company. Like, the company I worked for, if it wasn't one of our funeral cemeteries, mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to leave until the straps were out. Mm-hmm. Meaning the body had to be all the way down and the straps taken out, mm-hmm. which yeah. is what was claimed to be broken. So I'm That's like, crazy. Because the family had to pull him out of the grave. <gasps> because get this. The two workers reportedly fled on foot <laughs> as soon <laughs> as it broke. No. Uh, that would Emily, so this is funny. a nightmare. I know. Now I know why all the funeral homes are talking about. They're like, don't do this. Don't do this. In my opinion, please don't sue me, City of Mesa. The City of Mesa Cemetery is the worst cemetery. Like, I have family buried there. And it's nice when you have family buried there. But, like, as a funeral worker, it was a nightmare. Whenever they were like, we want City of Mesa. It was like, oh, no. (laughs) Because typically, when you get... Emily needs to tell me what cemetery to be buried in. Typically, when you get to, like, as a funeral worker, when you arrive in the funeral coach, there's a cemetery staff. Mm -hmm. They usually have their little golf golf carts. Like, if you've been to a cemetery, you've probably seen them. Yeah. Yeah. They'll lead you to your spot, and then you can get out, and they have, like, a transportation to get the casket from the coach Mm. to the grave site, especially if you don't have pallbearers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at City of Mesa, you get there, and you're like, okay, where was that plot again? Mm -hmm. And so you're just driving around trying to figure out, because they'll at least, like, have the equipment out for you, but you have to call and be like, hey, we're here. Get your workers out here so we can lower the body. Mm -hmm. That's weird. It's so bizarre, so like dumb. Game. I've tripped so many times in that cemetery, I cannot tell you. It's game over. Do I, they not keep it up very well compared to others? No. Recently, though, I heard that they're doing, like, more construction on it. Like, there's a big, like, million-dollar project they want to oh, do wow. with it. Oh, wow. They still have money after being sued by the <laughs> I don't think the family got much of anything. <gasps> because... Criminal. Uh, I don't know for sure, but... Based on evidence, sounds like this cemetery blamed the casket company and the funeral home. Did they get money from them? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> Me and Alyssa are like, you sue them for everything they're <laughs> worth. Like, uh, yes. That is traumatizing. The family had to lift him out? Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, because as a funeral home worker, that would have been my worst nightmare. But I would have been there and been like, oh my gosh, and been yeah. trying to do some I sort of remedy. I would have myself laughing. Like, I, I would probably be running on foot, too. No. Emily I would be like, everyone turn I around. Be here. We'll <laughs> one, hear it. Once, yeah, I would be like, okay, back, back, turn mm. around. You don't need to see this. Back. Okay. Like preschool teacher. Yes. Back to the board. Back to the board. No, because one time we had a funeral service, and it was at an LDS church building. Um... So we had to get the casket out before the family got there. Yeah. But we were trying to load them onto the church trucks, which it's like a like an accordion with mm-hmm. wheels, basically, yeah. that holds the casket. Mm-hmm. You call that a church truck? It's called a church truck. That's what, that's what it's referred to. We uh, that. So we're, we're learning so many things. We were taking it out, and it's a rental casket. You can, you can have those things. The rental caskets are the heaviest caskets you can deal with, unless it's like solid oak. Because they are solid oak. Oh. Which is the dumbest thing. But the bottom comes out so you can slide, like, cardboard in. Like a cardboard, like something you'd be cremated like in. Like a liner. Yeah, like a liner. <laughs> so that way you can switch them out. But they're yeah. the heaviest things. Switch room. It was too heavy for me. Oh. And it dropped. <gasps> and I, we, Did your me soul and the leave funeral director made eye contact. And we were like, I hope on all things that this thing did not break. Because they're rickety, they're old, and they're used all the time. So, like, they go through a lot of abuse. Did the, the casket, casket, like, drop? It dropped too hard because it was too heavy for me because there's a person in there, too. So mm. you have the person's weight, and then you also have the casket's the weight. The solid oak box. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, it was fine, but, like, my soul left my body when I heard the crash. I was like... Emily's soul went in that casket, too. The person in the casket was like, be careful out there! Basically, I... Well, we opened the lid because they... It was an open casket funeral. And so we, like, were checking everything and he was like... I've only been to one open casket funeral. Me? I've been to two, but I've only... No, I've been to three, actually. But I've only been, like, in the viewing of one because that was enough for me. I can't tell you the amount. 
No, yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell that's, you how many dead bodies I've seen. That's not something that I like. I'm not huge on viewings. Anyway. I, I, I want to be it. cremated. Okay. I'm going to get back into this. Yes. The city blames the casket ma- manufacturer, Aurora Casket Company. Shout them out. Um, and is, they're also saying that the um, Frigid Fluid Company, which is the casket learning device, so they were also sued. Oh, okay. The city was like, oh, the strap, the casket was too sharp, which is why it cut the the straps. They're... What? Yeah, like the edge. Like... That is not... This part. There's no way. No. There's no way. I don't know what There's happened. There's probably Wood mama? the workers that were probably trained horribly that ran away. Or they like really a good job and straps. they do it all the time. Or yeah, they were old straps because yeah. this is City of Mesa. They're the worst. Shade. All the shade. All the hate and shade. <laughs> uh, the I families had discovered that the Madison casket was actually made of particle board held together by staples. <gasps> so it was supposed to be a nicer casket it and it wasn't? It was supposed to be solid wood nice casket it's particle board so that's why it was broke. supposed to be like the gucci of caskets uh-huh came out like oh my gosh it was worse than great value it's like go Idea. out go out to goodwill and see what they have left <gasps> i've yeah. seen a casket at goodwill huh i've seen a casket at goodwill really, really? yeah you didn't buy it and turn it into a bed i would have i think it was missed. i think it was in my baby goth days oh okay I was also poor. Anyway, go ahead. Imagine lugging that in your car. <laughs> so My Toyota Corolla. <laughs> after this family went through like this horrible situation, they hoped that they had a second funeral because <laughs> we're gonna restart. No. I don't also, blame they didn't have them. anything to bury him in at this point. It, the casket broke. <laughs> oh, oh, that's we'll true. Put him in there. Call it a day. Go get some food. That's what I would have done. I've been like, okay, but like, like no, well, there's. And you can't just lay a body in a vault. It's gross. Okay. Um, I think it's also illegal. I don't know. It depends on the codes or whatever. I It probably depends on the type of cemetery, too. Yeah. Anyway. But I think you have to have an out, like, a casing, not in the vault. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not legal to bury bodies naturally. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It isn't? Mm-hmm. No. You can't just bury them raw. For free. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Remember, everybody? Death positivity. We move on. Um, so the, they hope that every second, every detail of the second funeral would be carefully addressed by the funeral home, as it should be, but it turned out to be another disaster. (laughs) Why didn't they get a new funeral home? (laughs) I have no idea. Can you not fire a funeral home? You can. You can be like, actually, you need to transport this to the next funeral home, or you call up another one. It would probably cost a little more money, but... If I after this, well, if I had worked at a different funeral home and they came to me as a funeral director, I'd be like, "That's free of charge, man." <laughs> oh, absolutely. But like, yeah. as a corporate company, I don't think we would have been allowed to do that. Yeah, because it's whatever. Um, six days after the first attempt, the family gathered at the funeral home, only to find that Robert was now dressed in what was described as mismatched throwaway clothing. What? <gasps> they say that despite the fact Robert Sr. hated pinstriped, he was dressed in a mysterious black pinstripe suit with a blue shirt and a brown tie. What? <laughs> the what? funeral home said that the original clothing was soiled in the accident. Uh-huh. He fell so hard he stained his polo? Well, putrefaction. Like... Things yeah, are it's a rotting out. body. It's funny. It's not funny, but whoa. No. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. The shock laugh. I have yeah. so many things wrong with that. We had a washer and dryer at our funeral home. Like, we, you just throw them in. Yeah. And if you don't, you get them dry cleaned. But also, They're like... They're buried in their clothes, right? Yeah. Also, like, a yeah. lot of people have, like, want to be buried in a certain thing. Like, that could have been, like... A really nice suit that he loved, or like uh-huh. it was from his wedding. Like people get buried in significant clothing all the time. Even so that's if it very disrespectful. Soiled, I would have been like, "Hello, family. I'm really sorry to bother you, and I know that was super traumatizing. But his suit's a little bit soiled. Do you have a separate outfit yeah. that you would like us to place this in? Would you like us to get it dry cleaned? Literally for you? communicate. Literally, or even just go around it with a Tide pen. Exactly. Literally anything. But they also found a friendship bracelet that um, 
Robin had given her father was missing. <gasps> Shady. Well, and I don't know if it was it's like a this different body in 2009, completely. but when you're buried, you have a packet. It It's like a nine, nine by 12 packet. It has yeah. who transported you, what day they were transported you, when you were received, like things mm. like that. And it also will have a sheet of what you're being buried with. So it'll be yeah. like a general description, like brown suit. White tie. Like wedding rings. Wedding band. Yeah. Glasses. Gold rim glasses. Things like that. And if those aren't items on the list, you gotta figure it out, friend. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh. This is bad. Yeah. So that's basically all I have for you based on on just that story. Uh Uh-huh. So I have more stories (laughs) where people fell out of their graves. So this book is called The Victorian Book of the Dead. It talks (laughs) about all sorts of fun things. (laughs) That happened around funerals, around dead bodies, around death in Victorian times. Imagine we all worked at a funeral home together. <gasps> I would get like I would get like excluded from services. They'd be like, You can't be around when the service is happening. They'd be like, Alyssa, you can't I'd go up to like give the opening speech, like, Hey y'all <laughs> glad you came out <laughs> As a funeral home worker, your job is not to be seen, basically. <laughs> Your job is to, is to be there, wear your black suit, pretend you don't exist. I'd be, like, high-fiving people as they come in and be like, oh. <laughs> Alyssa! I'd be like, hey, oh, is the lighting okay? I tried to make it this way. Oh, and you can be friendly. Like, you don't have to be so, like, gloomy about yeah. it. Like, I would smile at people as they walked in unless, like, they like, were in very distress. I'd be like, yeah. hey, guys, like, are you catering? I didn't get my lunch. <laughs> we weren't allowed to eat the food. What? Even oh, if it were... How Even many if funeral it were, potatoes do you miss out on? Not many. I've never had funeral potatoes. I only know about it because of you guys. They're so they're good. So good. We'll if, make it were, if it weren't catered, we were allowed to participate. Like, our manager didn't like it because she just wasn't a big fan of, like, potluck situations. Because she's like, <laughs> you never know where that food's coming from. But one funeral director, she was always like, oh, yeah, eat it. Like, who cares? Mm. It's, like, a location manager role, not a company role. So... One time we went to a Muslim funeral, and we were there all day. We got there at, like, 7.30, and I think we got back around 6. It was a whole day affair. The guy bought us sandwich, sandwiches from, like, a little deli next door because we were in Tempe. Mm-hmm. And we were at, like, I forget what their temples are called. Like, it's a, a Muslim mosque. temple. Mosque. Oh. Yes. What were you going to say? It's not right. Okay. It's not right. It's not right. I don't want to get canceled. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, we have gone there, and they, they let us be a part of the whole thing, which is so rare. Like, we got to go up. We got to see, like, all of their, like, their whole ceremony situation. That's neat, because every culture That's is so interesting. Yeah, I love, that was my favorite part, was seeing the different ways people People celebrate. More. But, but can we talk about Mexican funerals? Because we be getting lit out here. I have a story for you when we're not on air. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, my aunt died. She was a great woman, but she lived her life to the fullest. But she died, Ooh. and we did a uh, celebration of life. We had a margarita machine, like a frozen margarita machine. Uh huh. I remember you sending me snaps. From yeah, it. it was completely. Everyone does like potluck style. Like everyone brought food, and there was a full mariachi band playing. Oh, yeah, and I love we that. We were literally just like eating and drinking margaritas, and because she was like the life of the party, aunt. You know, like every mm-hmm. every Mexican family has like a stereotypical like auntie who dresses with the, like the push up bra <laughs> yeah. and, like, and the curly hair. She's like always dancing no matter how like old she is she's like wrinkly but have like lipstick on that was my aunt and so we like celebrated and her jewelry was out for like people to grab it wasn't like expensive (gasps) it was like show jewelry Uh but it was like oh like grab a pair of earrings on your way out type of thing but i love that the coolest it wasn't gloomy at all it wasn't like everyone shared stories maybe a tear was shed but it was like fun Mm -hmm. yeah because of where we were we had a lot of hispanic funerals Mm-hmm. One time we had someone bring a full taco truck and parked it around the back. <laughs> and I so love there it. were people going in and out all day. And the mariachi band was in our chapel. And our funeral home was not big at all. It's <laughs> <And laughs> so loud. It my was are loud. So loud. Because it was in the chapel. So, like, it's a rounded. Mm-hmm. Like, there are no corners in that room. <laughs> it was so loud and it was so fun. But then it smelled like onions for two days. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't like <laughs> oh, it was so good. Anyways. It was great. I could talk all day about funerals. <laughs> <laughs> so these are really old stories. Uh-huh. Um, 
so I'll just share this last one. Um, it has to do with the first one. This one was in Erie, February 16, 1885. Mm. It's called The Spilled Corpse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a remarkable, this is an actual, like, um, uh, newspaper clipping, basically. Uh-huh. This author, Chris Wood- Woodyard, he puts all of these together. You can find the book on Amazon. I'll have it linked in the description. Amazing. It's from Indiana Weekly Passenger. A remarkable burial scene is reported as having occurred in Wesleyville, four miles east of the city. Today, a large gathering assembled at the Methodist Church to attend the funeral services of daughter of Mr. John Wells, and as the coffin was being carried into the church by four young ladies, according to the wish of the deceased, had been selected as bearers. Two of them slipped on the ice-coated ground and fell, the shock bursting open the casket and exposing the corpse, which (gasps) rolled upon one of the girls and held her to the earth. Ah! The contact with the dead body frightened her so that she relapsed into insensibility before the body was placed in the coffin again. And many of the ladies who witnessed this distressing scene returned home, so shaken were their nerves. Oh, that's so sad. I'm like, this is their friend through. or their sister. And she fell on her. Like, on top of her. <laughs> stuck <laughs> top stuck of her. to the ground. Oh my gosh. Ew. This is terrible. The service over the remains ended, and a second accident horrified the mourners. At the entrance of the cemetery, which adjoins the church, the handles of the casket became detached, and the jar resulted in another exposure. Oh my gosh. Is body? Why uh-huh. do they keep dropping no, double take. Double take. The covering be- uh, being partially turned, both arms and feet were thrust out, and in the excitement which followed, three women fell and fainting in the snow. Oh my gosh. The body having been forced back and the lid nailed down, the procession resumed its way to the grave. All stood with an uncovered heads around the excavation in a blinding snowstorm as the coffin was lowered. Jeez. The cords were not properly adjusted and slipping off the casket was dashed into pieces at the bottom of the pit. Losing his balance, the gravedigger was precipitated upon the body and was drawn out uh, and palsied with fright. I don't know if that's the right word. After much labor, the debris of the coffin and its occupant were removed, and preparations for internment went on. It was found that the head had been crushed in and the shroud was in shreds, necessitating oh new habiliments um, as well as a new coffin. Oh Later in the day, the remains were committed to the earth without a reoccurrence of painful scenes of the morning. Oh my gosh. He fell on top of the school and crushed it. He fell on top of the casket and crushed it. Because it had already fallen once at the church. Falls out, lands on her. Then, they're like, okay, get the pallbearers out. The new pallbearers, because the other three went home. Yeah. <laughs> Permanently. Yeah. They're like, we're done. They we're done. For life. They're holding it. The casket falls out. The handles break. At that point, for a the second time. just cheap. Well, it's 1885. It's handmade. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. No one's suing anyone. No. No. They're like, you owe me three beavers. <laughs> You owe me three brief Four corn husks and we are even. <laughs> and a loaf of bread. Yeah. So we're, we're at two falls. We're at two falls. And then they start lowering it. Cords break. And the It funeral, goes crashing down. It goes crashing down. Then the guy falls on top of it. <laughs> it's stuck down there. They look down. They're like, oh, her head smashed in her shroud because they, they had shrouds back then. Yeah. What's a shroud? They're like covered in cloth. I can tell you, actually. It's basically like a veil. I can't find the description. Like a woman in black. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like that. Um. Sorry. What? I'll have to show you. Okay. (laughs) And so basically that's it. There are a few more stories, so if you guys want me to tell you a few more in a future episode, I have a whole book of atrocities. Will you read them to me like a bedtime story? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Alyssa. I'll FaceTime Mm -hmm. you right as you're cozying into Mm -hmm. your bed. We also talked about doing um, mini episodes every day of Halloween week. Uh-huh. So that is something we could do is just have uh, scary story days or strange story days. I've got a whole bunch of those. Can we yeah. also, I'm like saying we as like, <laughs> I'm on the podcast permanently, guys. <laughs> no, but um, another good idea would be maybe a, like a section of one of them dedicated to like 
the reminiscing of old Halloween, like back in the day. Like we all had the plastic yes. like pumpkin and Nickelodeon had like spooktacular and they had all the Halloween Town. Yeah, Halloween yes, Town. Ma'am. My favorite thing that came on had what's her name? Like uh, Emily Osmond from uh, Hannah Montana. It was called The Thing. <laughs> Wait. Two heads. And yes. it, it visited her hometown and she had like an annoying little brother and this thing was like going around all town and no one believed her and she had to like stop it. I remember that so well and I want to rewatch it in my adulthood because I have not. Do you remember was it unwrapped? It's the mummy one? It's really oh my gosh, old, yeah. Where he eats the goldfish. It's been a long time. Yeah, like that's the only scene I remember from it is when he takes the goldfish out of the bowl and eats it. The mummy does. Ew. It would be just like so fun. I would like like to appear on one of those if you'll have me. <laughs> it's a we whole Halloween week. With, like, with reminiscing things like, do you remember? We can all just kind of share. It'd be fun. Do you remember? That'd be a good like first segment. Yeah. So let us know what you guys want to hear during Halloween week. We can yeah. do extra spooky stories. I think the day of Halloween we want to do like a really spooky, like a big case. full regular episode. Yeah. And then the rest of the week we'll probably do short ones. We'll probably read more creepy pastas. Uh-huh. So I know some of you guys like those, but that wraps up today's episode. Thank yeah. you so much for listening. Rate, comment, review, subscribe. Plug in your heating pads, take your meds, and stay spooky. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.